Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I will be hosting this episode, and today I'm joined by Sydney Cope. Sydney is our newest therapist at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance, and we dive into her experience as a Division I athlete, her experience dealing with injuries, some advice for um, students that want to go to physical therapy school, and how her transition to Milwaukee has been. This is a great episode and gives you a really good insight to meet Sydney if you haven't had the opportunity to meet her already. I think you guys will enjoy it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. My name is Michael Falk, and I will be hosting this episode. And I am joined by Sydney Cope, our newest therapist at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance, for a very long, overdue uh, <laughs> podcast episode introducing her to everyone. So, Sydney, welcome to your first podcast. Thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm sorry that it. Uh, took so long we've been just a little busy yeah. with uh, with other things so good thing though yeah so sydney is uh, our newest therapist she is has become a midwesterner in wisconsinite all the way from all the way from uh, baltimore and she was a uh, division 1 lacrosse player and uh, grew up playing lacrosse and then went to physical therapy school at university of maryland um, and then had a, a many great clinical rotations, including getting to um, work at Exos and help with um, NFL draft prep for the 2021 NFL Combine um, athletes, and then many other uh, rotations that kind of really gave her a lot of experience. And she also has a little bit of an injury history that I'm (laughs) sure uh, she will will get into a little bit today um, that gives her a really good perspective from the patients that she works with on, you know, what they're actually going through. So I always like to start with just like a little bit of how did you get into physical therapy? Sure. Um, so it actually goes back to high school with my first big injury. <laughs> um, it was during uh, lacrosse season of, I think, my senior year of high school. Um, I knew I wanted to get into the sports medicine field somehow, and I loved um, the healthcare side of things, but I just wasn't really sure what direction I was going to take when I went to college. Um, But my senior year of high school, I got really bad shin splints in both um, shins at the same time and had a very hard time rehabbing. I worked with an athletic trainer at the time at school, um, and she really like opened my eyes to how much that you know is available in the healthcare field, and especially like the sports medicine side of things. And um, she was great. I knew I didn't want to go into athletic training. <laughs> no offense, um, just from her experience, uh, she worked a ton. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, I did shift over to start working with a PT just because things got crazy with her working with every single sport at the time um, at my high school. And I had really good success with that person and ended up starting to shadow them, too, to kind of get more of an idea of what physical therapy um, really entailed. And that's kind of how I started on this crazy journey towards where I am now. No, that's awesome. Um I think you, you've got some really interesting perspective, just like being a college athlete, 
Um, you know, we have a lot of a lot of high school players or families of high school players that want to play a sport in, in uh, college. What was kind of your experience like as a college athlete, or or any you know words of advice or um, kind of things surrounding that for an athlete that that thinks they want to try to go play their sport in college? Yeah, um, so much. I could write a book. <laughs> What to and what not to do (laughs) as a college athlete. Um, My collegiate career was very up and down, um, mostly due to injuries. Um, I went through phases of very long phases of not playing and then had a very hard time getting back into the swing of things and getting back on the field. Um, You know, part of it due to physically not being prepared, but a lot of it was also mentally Um, I had checked out, I probably checked out at multiple points throughout my career, just wanting to be done and not wanting to be in pain. Um, So biggest piece of advice that I would give um, people that want to play college athletics is um, keep going. Like if it is a sport that you love and you have worked really hard to get there, don't you know, don't spiral, (laughs) talk to somebody, talk to teammates, talk to a coach, um, talk to people that you trust, um, to help, you know, kind of motivate you, get you back onto the field, um, back to loving the sport that you worked so hard to get yourself into that position. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And I mean, you, you hit it on the head with, um, you know, we're not we're not psychologists we're not sports psychologists and we don't try to be but um, like one of our main core values and one of the things that when Lauren and I started um, working with people is that we really believe in treating the whole athlete because injuries are more than just physical like yeah. as a college athlete you have the immense pressure to get back on the field from many different people surrounding the sport um, but you're like away from the thing that you love you're yeah teammates your sport network your i mean you play lacrosse i mean on the east coast you probably get like handed a stick while you're in the cradle (laughs) you know this thing that's been like a part of your life since you could almost walk most likely is now like taken away while you're hurt and it has a a really big mental toll especially when it's like one injury after another after another and it just really can stack up yeah so yeah, and my honestly, the people that I turned to the most were my athletic trainer and my physical therapist too. Which I did see a sports psych in college, but I those were the people that I spent all day, every day with. And um, you know, maybe they don't have the education to you know be that person, but just having that you know them to talk to and them knowing my entire journey um, was kind of how I knew that I had chosen the right field because I really wanted to be able to do that for other athletes. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and you're short to getting to be longer time with us right now. That's definitely something that we've already um, just really noticed just how much you how much you care and how much you put your kind of heart and soul and, and uh, everything into um, the people that you're working with and really build those relationships, which has been really fun to see and I think you just have a you have such a unique perspective that you know limited athletes like myself can never uh, <laughs> can never quite uh, relate to some of what um, the players are are going through like that so 
All right, so now that you're with us, you're doing a lot of stuff with running, and you've kind of gotten into running a little bit. Yes. So when, uh, how did, what was the transition from um, being a lacrosse player to being a runner? How'd that go? Okay, so when I graduated um, college, <laughs> I was ready to take a little bit of a break from lacrosse. Um, I had spent basically my entire life doing it, which you kind of already hit on. Um, I ended with another injury that I just couldn't really shake. Um, and I needed a new outlet. I'm a super competitive person and have always been active and I needed a new way to kind of release that kind of stress in my life. And, um, so I got into running I don't even know how, like, I think I was just like, I'll just try it, whatever. Like never been a long distance runner in my life. Like didn't really have to be for lacrosse. It's very, I mean, it's a long field, but it's not miles and miles and miles. Like and cross country and track never interested me. Um, but I had some friends that were into it and, you know, they just kind of talked me into just try, you know, like run a 5k, start to just be on your own. Um, and I think that's kind of what I needed at the time was a way that I could compete with myself and myself only and kind of take everybody else out of it for a little bit. And um, I kind of fell in love with the process. It's a great time for you to just be on your own, um, do some thinking and, um, you know, maybe <laughs> die a little bit here and there, depending <laughs> on the run. But in the best way, you know, that I kind of missed with that. Um, like team com like competition that came with lacrosse. Yeah. So you run how many half marathons now? Three. Yes. Okay. Three. So is there going to be a marathon in the future or are we, yes. we going to stick at the half marathon? No, there is a, there is a marathon in my future and I do not care how bad it hurts. <laughs> I'm going to run a full one time in my life. And my goal right now is next fall. Um, I'm taking the winter off from running right now to deal with um, another injury. <laughs> this is embarrassing, honestly. Um, but as soon as the weather starts to get a little bit warmer for my liking, I am going to try and slowly get back into it, um, but take care of my body in the process like I have not done in the past. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the goal is 2022 fall full marathon. There you go. Yeah. You heard it here. So we're all going to hold Sydney accountable <laughs> to uh, to both running it and taking care of herself as she yes. gets ready to run it. Um, that'll be exciting to see. I think the other thing that you would have fun with, um, and you probably don't even know about it, but um, is running Ragnar, um, which is like a team race from like Madison or Madison or Milwaukee to Chicago. And it's like you run different legs of it. Lauren's run it before, um, but it's kind of like a, takes running into like a team environment cool. so maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to see if we know any people that are running Ragnar that need a uh, yeah, need out. a new team teammate <laughs> to uh, to to do that um, so now that you're um, here you're also kind of taking your running experience and then actually seeing a lot of our runners so um, what are some just um, whether it's common injuries or like common um, faults or things that you work on with runners as you like go through their evaluation, like some common things that you're seeing and wanting to address? Hip strength, hip strength, hip strength, hip strength. 
literally every runner that I have seen thus far needs stronger glutes, um, regardless of their injury. I think it's just one of those things that, and I, I am a, I, I do this as well. I will not, <laughs> I, I fall into this category now. Once we get into running and higher distance, longer distances, things like that, and, you know, we get into a routine, strength training tends to go out the window. Um, and I find this with a lot of runners. They kind of start to give that up. Uh, they prioritize running way more. Um, and so when they come to me, regardless of their injury, of course, we're dealing with, you know, their specific area of pain or discomfort or anything like that, um, most of them also need a lot of hip strength just because their legs are not supporting them as well as they should be. And they would have so much more success if they worked on just a couple little things, did them every single day um, just to help, you know, support them better. Yeah. It's definitely something that I can, I am not a runner <laughs> per se. I actually ran a lot more in high school. Um, you know, it was just kind of like my workout. I'd just go for a three or four or five mile run. I, I've run like a, a quarter marathon one time. It's like the longest race, actually the only race I've ever run. Lauren made me, uh, Lauren made me do it. Um, but uh, I found like when I started lifting weights a lot more, in college and then even after college probably more than ever in my life now if i just go for a little three mile run it's so much easier like even though i'm not cardiovascularly in the same shape that i was when i was like running a lot i can get through that run um just because i'm like much more efficient yeah and now it's like okay well if i actually like also train that running then i could probably do it i just um have not enough time for more than one hobby right now (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is it is hard to to do. But um, I think the education with runners is something that's really interesting because in yeah. general, like runners are a very knowledgeable population. Like they read a lot, learn a lot, are always really interested. So when you're kind of going through that conversation and trying to like get someone to buy into why this is important, what how do you explain that to them? Um, a lot of the times I kind of stay, I mean, I go down the route of I'm going to try and help you run with less pain, but in addition, while we're at it, let's help you run more efficiently. Let's prevent injury in the future because I think you're right, they are very knowledgeable and runner. I think runners are very aware that they are a population that gets hurt a lot, especially with overuse injuries, bone stress injuries, things like that. They're almost inevitable for a lot of runners. Um, so taking them down that path, educating them on, regardless of what we are dealing with right now, A, we're gonna look at you as an entire athlete. We are not just dealing with this one body part. We're gonna make you more efficient. Let's work on some speed. Let's make you stronger so that in the future, you aren't coming back to me in a couple months with something new going on. Um, and I think that helps them buy in because runners don't like to stop running. It's what they do. It's what they love. Um, so if I can help keep them on the track, on the trail, on the road, um, the more likely they are to buy into doing this long term. I think that's great, great advice. 
All right, we're going to be a little controversial. I'm going to give you a couple statements that I hear a lot around, around running, and I want to get your, I want to get your <laughs> response to it. So um, one of the things that we'll hear a lot is I had you know X thing, like my knee hurts, and I went to see a doctor, and they just told me that running is bad for my knees, so I should stop. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> okay, in some cases, potentially. In most cases, just running is not the issue that is probably causing all of your knee pain. Um, I always like to try, if possible, and find a threshold or a level of tolerance that I can keep my runners at. Um, So if they're telling me, hey, I feel pretty good until I get to mile five, then my knee starts to bother me. Okay, I take that. Let's run less than five miles. Or if there's a specific speed or type of terrain or type of workout that they're doing um, that is aggravating to their injury, maybe we cut back on that a little bit, even if it's just lowering the intensity or potentially taking it out, but still giving them the opportunity to get out there and run. Um, it's not detrimental to, not always detrimental to their injury and their complaints. I think that's great advice. I always want to like respond with, well, sitting on your couch is really bad for your health too. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, okay. Something else that we hear quite a bit when we talk to people, um, again, I find this interesting because it might be foot pain or knee pain or hip pain. Um, but I went and got orthotics and they told me that that was going to fix everything. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> These are controversial. Jeez. <laughs> try to tackle one of the reasons Lauren and I started the podcast was to yes. try to like tackle myths and just be able to. Sometimes it's a nuanced discussion that you know you can't hit in a social media post or it's hard in a blog, but it can be a good conversation. Yeah. Um, okay, so I somehow a little backstory. I somehow when I started here at Kinetic became the weird foot and ankle guru girl. <laughs> okay. Um, And I have found through my personal experiences working with people, um, orthotics tend to make our feet and potentially even up the chain. So muscles in our lower legs, um, quads, hamstrings, even up to our hips, um, a little lazy because now they have something that is quote unquote helping them be more efficient. But at the same time, you're almost masking what could really be going on. Um, so if I have a patient that comes to me with orthotics, if they are very helpful for you and really do take away a lot of your pain throughout your day, great. You can wear them. But in addition, we are going to work on strengthening the muscles in your feet, strengthening the muscles in your ankle, working on single leg um, stability and squatting and things like that so that you aren't relying on this simple piece of plastic or foam to be your fix-all yeah no i I think you said it perfectly that it's like i I hear sometimes people are like oh you should never wear orthotics or like oh everyone needs orthotics it's like both of those two options are equally equally wrong it's a gray area and that's okay (laughs) and i don't know why i feel like sometimes we're in this um world or like People want to make it black and white, like, oh, I got orthotics, so I don't need to do this other stuff. Or like, oh, you should never get orthotics. And it's like, 
or thoughts for some people are really, really helpful, right. but they shouldn't be an excuse to like, they're not going to be the answer to everything. Exactly. And you're not going to have success if you do that. So you're not, you, you just happen to see a lot of feet and you, <laughs> no, you it's fine. I don't think, hate it. <laughs> think we had a conversation. You were telling us how you like dedicated yourself to mastering these foot exercises in yes. one of your clinicals. So then you <laughs> became the, the, uh, foot and ankle people and you've helped a lot of, <laughs> helped a lot of people get better. I'll take it. Yeah. Which is great. So, um, okay. No, that's, that's great. So I just want to talk some fun questions about moving to Milwaukee from okay. Baltimore just for people to get uh, get to know you a little bit better. What's been the, your favorite thing that you've done in Milwaukee so far? Mm, that's hard. I think, I, I don't know if I could put it to one single event, but, well, okay, Summerfest was great. Um, we went to a select few things um, over this summer. That was a really fun time. I like stuff like that. Um, but I think more so than that, I love being five minutes away from a beach, five minutes away from like a downtown city, five minutes away from like a trail that we can go hike on. Um, and I think just having that, you know, like adversity in, um, you know, what we can do with our weekends or, you know, our days, um, has been really cool. Yeah. Beating your boyfriend in paddle tennis or pickleball. Yeah, pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't beat him, though, to be honest. He's pretty good. <laughs> he, he's not here to defend himself. True, true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, what's been the biggest adjustment for for you living here from coming from Baltimore? Um, I think the biggest adjustment has been being, like, truly, like, on my own and I say that not like I have Andrew like he's great but I don't like I am paying all my own bills I am like really in charge of what I do and don't do with my day um I have a job that I have to go to now like lots of big things that I think would have come whether or not I had moved to Milwaukee um but and I am now hours and hours and hours away from family that I can't just call up and be like, hey, mom, I'm out of food. Can you make me some dinner? <laughs> um, that's not on me to figure out. Yeah. Um, and it's been a good transition. It has really, you know, helped me figure out how to do this whole adulting thing, which yeah. is a crazy ride, but, you know, one that has to happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is for sure. It's uh I got I got eased into it when I went out of school um, and then working for the Packers right out of right out of undergrad. It was sort of like fake adulting because I was just in the facility from like five thirty till seven, and there was like food there and you could shower there and they do your laundry. And so it's like I got to ease into uh, nice, into yeah. being <laughs> into being fully on my own. Um, and then when I was done there, I moved into Lauren, with Lauren. She helped with some of that too. So I got I got spoiled. Um, okay. And then the last thing that I kind of wanted to do, we have a lot of our patients or just athletes that, um, I know are interested in potentially pursuing physical therapy or some other healthcare or strength conditioning type degree, um, because they are athletes and want to stay around athletics growing up. So, um, do you have any like thoughts or advice on what, um, what they should look for or think about is they're looking at schools or deciding on how they want to get there, what they want to do. Yeah. Um, keep shadowing. Um, 
even <clears throat> so if you're in high school, um, start getting experience now. Like if there's a PT that you work with that you think does a great job, um, ask if you can go into their clinic and work with them for a couple hours every day. Um, it's also a great way to start like accruing those hours that you will eventually need for school and stuff like that. Um, it's a nice thing to put on your resume too. Um, in undergrad, same thing, keep trying to get experiences. Um, you know, shadow the athletic trainer at the college or um, a physical therapist that works down the road. Um, start just kind of becoming exposed to the world that you potentially want to, like that you potentially see yourself working in one day. Um, Cause you can learn a lot, even just watching people, you know, do their job and figure out what you do like and what you don't like. And um, just kind of starting to, make those connections too is also a good thing. Um, I guess for schools, so what I did, um, I applied to um, in-state schools only um, for tuition purposes, which I think was smart on my part. Um, Having to pay for PT school myself, um, I had to limit the amount of schools that I applied to with the hopes that I would get in. Thankfully I did. Um, but I had to be okay with that decision, knowing how much harder it would have been for me if I did go to an out-of-state school and had to pay for that. Um, and I mean, in PT school, ask about, um, sports medicine internships when you guys get to clinicals. Um, you will have to do a couple of rotations like in a hospital or just a regular outpatient clinic potentially. Um, but if there aren't those sports medicine options available for you and you think that's what you want to do, ask. Reach out to people in the area that you do that you know do work in sports medicine and try and you know make that connection so that you can get that experience um, and not have to kind of go into it basically blind when you graduate. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You hit on on uh, the two biggest pieces that I tell students too, which is um, try to go to a PT school that is going to get you to come out of school with the least amount of debt possible. And that might mean different things to different people, which is totally okay. Um, to find out what, how their internship selection process goes and what opportunities you're going to have because PT school itself is, um, it is fine. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> you, you learn the barrier essentials, but it's essentially all your in-class schooling is designed to help you pass the board exams. Yep. In my opinion, where, um, you you can't go on a clinical without the basic foundation of what to do. But assuming you go to a relatively good school, like the differentiator between a good and a great PT school experience, in my opinion, is those clinical rotations, right? And so just really diving deep into what opportunities are you going to have and how does that selection process go, um, I think it's really important. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. All right. Well, this was fun. I'm sorry yeah. that it took uh, six months or, okay. <laughs> or whatever it was to uh, get you your introductory uh, uh, podcast, but we have been so excited to have you um, join our team and our. Cons- uh, I've just had a blast watching you grow and develop over the um, since you joined us last year, and I can't wait to see where you go uh, with us going forward. So 
if you haven't had the opportunity to meet Sydney, now you have uh, been introduced to her, and uh, um, she is she is awesome. And and anyone that comes to our clinic and sees her is in great hands, and uh, she's a blast to to work with, and and does a great job with all of her patients. So, um, thank you guys for uh, for listening to another episode, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you again soon. say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach, or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at Kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast. Tell us what you learned or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.